Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. As the numbers of Delta variant COVID cases continue to rise, questions about online learning in higher education become more pertinent than ever. Dr. Melody Phillips, an associate professor of marketing, has authored a peer-reviewed journal report considering whether business schools are ethically obligated to develop an online presence to increase numbers of students working toward master's degrees in business administration. We'll explore that issue after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's Jennings A. Jones College of Business continues to rack up international recognition for the quality of its programs. The premier accrediting body in business education worldwide, AACSB International, recently extended Jones College's business and accounting accreditations for another five years based on an exhaustive review. For more than a century, their accreditation has been synonymous with the highest standards in business education. And MTSU's Donnie Walker assistant professor of biology, has landed a boost to his research through a National Science Foundation grant awarded in collaboration with researchers at Oregon State University and the University of California, Riverside. Walker and MTSU will receive $870,000 of the highly competitive $2.6 million grant for the project titled Understanding the Rules of Life, Microbiome Interactions and Mechanisms. Walker will serve as research team leader. He's currently hiring for the project's MTSU research team, which will include students doing laboratory and field work, including a trip to the Great Smoky Mountains and other off-campus endeavors. For MTSU News, at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Melody, welcome and thank you for being with us. Uh, for purposes of this conversation, how do you define online presence? Well, online presence is really, if you think about it in terms of a business, it's the amount of activity and interaction that would occur while the student and the instructor are on online. Now, your report was published before uh, people started trying to open up again and return to some semblance of regular life. Uh, do you anticipate a resurgence in online learning now that COVID cases seem to be spreading quickly? I am a little bit concerned, I'll be honest. There's just so many unknowns with the new Delta variant, and we know this probably won't be the last variant that comes into uh, the United States and other places in the world, that I think you're going to see universities, you know, higher education institutions considering uh, the risk versus the benefits. And of course, the research that I published is really looking at sort of minimizing the risks for students and that they, they can potentially get the exact same value and satisfaction from an online experience as opposed to the traditional synchronous in-class experience. Your, your report mentioned several ways to build up the framework for an effective social presence. Could you discuss a few of those? Social presence is really sort of the beginnings for the student in terms of feeling like they're a part of a class itself. In other words, that they're not just out alone and looking at a computer screen and really all, you know, all on their own. And so there are a number of techniques that we can use and sort of the common go-to approach is what we call discussion boards. And these are tools that we use that really are designed to mimic 
the in-class experience where I can engage you in a discussion online that will enable you to feel uh, a part of a conversation. Uh, a lot of times I tell my students, remember this isn't a posting board, this is a discussion board. So we wanna see you interacting and really feeling a part of a discussion as opposed to, hey, here are my thoughts and just sticking them out there. We're looking at, here's my thoughts, give me your thoughts, and then let's see what we can learn from one another. And so discussion boards are, are the go-to. But I also use some other techniques in my classes because students in MBA programs are looking for just that much more in terms of experiential learning. So the first thing I do that I actually really enjoy and the students do too, is an online orientation activity. And the orientation activity is kind of a big hoot because I'll throw out for them a number of questions that they need to answer. And they can be, you know, something basic like, hey, tell me your favorite app and why is this your favorite app? And a lot of the students will really get into it and talk about different apps that they use when they travel or if they're going to go shopping or anything that they're going to do online. And usually that often turns out to be the most educational for me since I am not as current on all of the apps. I try to posit questions that really let me learn about the student and let them learn about each other because the whole idea is through the orientation, we want them to be able to build a camaraderie, find you know, common values, common interests, so that if they work in a group or if they work on a project together, or if they just are looking for a study pal, that this opens sort of discussions that they can find commonalities. I often ask this question and it's, it's really interesting in terms of helping me learn about the student. And I'll say, okay, you have the opportunity to go to lunch with three people and these people can be living or dead and they cannot be a part of your family extended or, you know, not very uh, close in relation. And so I will start, I always start the orientation. And I, I tell them plenty of things about myself, but I, I have a number of sort of go-tos that I like. I say, first, I would love to meet and have a chat with Walt Disney. He is the person who basically started what we consider the entertainment industry of today. He started in animation. He grew into theme parks, feature films, documentary, uh, sports networks. I mean, it just it exploded. But then I'll pick somebody historical that I think really made a significant contribution. And so I usually pick somebody like Leonardo da Vinci. So that if I spoke Italian, we could have this fabulous lunch, probably over a wonderful Italian meal, and talk about how he was an architect, an inventor, and an artist, and, and just the, the breadth of achievement that and the difference he made in society. And then a lot of times my last person I select is Queen Elizabeth II. Here's somebody who basically has been a, a ruler for almost a century uh, for Great Britain. I find that to be a really interesting exercise with students because those that are really into sports, 
bond. Those that are really into politics will pick different political figures that they would love to sort of have a Q&A with. Uh, a lot of times I'll have um, music business students. So you may see a number of musicians or vocalists that they would like to meet and have a conversation with. So we use things like that. With MBA students, there's always uh, the opportunity to do group projects. And group projects are hands-on, they're applied. We try to bring in clients from the real world so that they can sit down and learn about an existing company as opposed to just learning about a case or reading material in a textbook and taking a test on it. We want them to really get applied hands-on skills. So these client-based projects are a terrific way to increase social interactions and social presence online because you're not only engaging with your fellow students, engaging with business people from the community that can share not only their experience, their organization, but then offer you the opportunity to work on a project that could really make a difference in the success or failure of this organization. They get to learn from one another with the discussion boards, and then they get to go out and do well-rounded social presence opportunity. We'll take a break here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERRA, which has members in 20 states and seven nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Dr. Melody Phillips, an associate professor of marketing, and her peer review journal report on whether business schools are ethically obligated to develop an online presence to get more students into their MBA programs. Uh, what suggestions do you have to increase instructor presence? What you're looking for is really trying to make the student not feel the geographic difference and distance from the instructor and the fellow students. So you're looking at, as an instructor, being very engaged online. And that starts really from before the course actually starts. It means I need to send out an email. I need to get in touch with everyone. I wanna welcome them to class. I wanna make sure that I reassure them that I would love to hear from them anytime they have a question or concern to reach out to me. Uh, I often uh, will have uh, an online office hour schedule so that they can actually come and see me face to face. Uh, and I will bring in some guest and speakers. Uh, I teach an entertainment branding class for graduate students. So I may bring in somebody from the Titans or the Nashville Zoo and have a dialogue with these people. And the other thing that's really important in terms of instructor presence is really carefully develop and plan your course. 
And of course, this was a difficulty with the onset of COVID because there were many faculty members who had never taught online who were sort of thrown into a situation where they would either have a synchronous or asynchronous delivery. In other words, I might be remote instructing on Zoom or I might just have the material out there and students would pace themselves. But either way, you have faculty members who may potentially be uncomfortable. They're having to pull together something quickly. And the idea is the best way to be an effective instructor is to know you're going to be online, to plan for it, to make sure that you reassure students, you are a cheerleader in certain aspects where you encourage them that they can do this. And this is what is expected. And you want to be not just reassuring, but you also want to motivate them to do better and to succeed and to see the opportunities that are out there for them in the job world after they successfully you know, complete this program. But it's really a matter of taking the, the time and the energy to not just have a great course, drop it and, and let it go and you just post grades, but it's an idea of you drop the course, but first you welcome them to the course. Then you introduce yourself to them and interact with them during the, inter uh, the orientation activities. And then you are there for them. You are a presence in the course, not just this, you know, vague entity that's sporadically posting grades or feedback. You want to develop feedback. You want to have an interactive process with your students. You want to be engaged with them, uh, if possible, in the discussion boards to help prod them and make them see an opposing point of view that will allow them to sort of broaden their horizons and ultimately learn more and feel a greater a part of the learning community as opposed to someone who felt very isolated, especially during COVID. It was a very isolating experience for many people. And so as instructors, one of the best things that we can do is actually be present and be there for our students so that they feel that they aren't alone in the world in, in a very stressful time period. Since you mentioned the time element, is it better for the class to be synchronous, asynchronous, or a combination of the two? Well, I think you can be successful with any approach. As long as you get together a great set of plans for what you're going to do moving into the semester. I teach in the MBA program, and so there's a great deal of desire for asynchronous learning because these students are generally working full time. They have families, and so they need the opportunity to really do their projects when they want to and not have a commitment of Monday at three, I have to be somewhere. And so the asynchronous approach works often very well in master's programs, in business, education, where people are already very heavily committed throughout the day. And so they can work and pace themselves as they need to without having a synchronous experience. Now, remote learning is also a very positive approach where I will Zoom lecture to you. So that every day at your scheduled course time, even during COVID, we would meet and we would have a regular interaction as we could in the truth function better that way. They really enjoy either face-to-face -face or a synchronous approach to help them sort of plan their day, be motivated, know what the expectations are, have a regular interaction to ask questions, to question theories, 
uh, talk to other students, whether it's synchronous, where everybody is going to be here at a certain time period, asynchronous, and, and an asynchronous course doesn't have to be limited to an asynchronous order. We can actually do things like I do with the MBA students, where if I get a guest speaker to come in and somebody from the Titans has availability to talk from two to three on Tuesday afternoon, I will invite everyone in the course to zoom in at two to three. But then what I will do is additionally, I will videotape or record the session so that if you get to be there, you can actually interact in real time with the guest speaker, ask questions, What's the future of Nashville? What's the future of football in Nashville? Are there job opportunities? How did you get started? Those types of things with the guest speaker. But then if you can't make that two to three time period when the speaker's available, you can log in for you know, a two week period and still watch the actual interaction and still have the experience of the guest speaker, but still being able to function within your asynchronous time frame, where that you were at work at that time, couldn't attend, but you still really wanted to be able to listen and hear and learn from the guest speaker. So just because you are technically asynchronous doesn't mean that you can't incorporate opportunities for students to have live interactions. When you do have live interactions between uh, instructor and all the students in the class, all simultaneously on Zoom or whatever video conferencing you're using, right? something I've run into is everybody wanting to talk at the same time. And there's not exactly a raise your hand yes. type of uh, opportunity or format. And then the little Southern girl in me says, uh, you know, I can hear my mama saying now, don't, don't talk over people, don't interrupt, you know, just, you know, right, right. has to take turns. How do, how do you navigate that territory? Well, there, there obviously is complete chaos, which has some benefits, but one thing that you can do is we have the ability within Zoom to send messages. So you can say, you know, the next topic we're going to cover is topic A. And if you have some questions that you would like to ask the speaker, Go ahead and send those in to me now. Type them in. Let me see them. And then when we get to you know, a Q&A period, I can actually go, Joe, I see that you have a question relating to Nashville's brand and the branding strategy of the Titans. Would you like to ask the speaker and, and get their response? And so that allows you to see the questions to weed out anything that or clarify something that might be confusing. And then you can call on people and not have everybody trying to bum rush the gate and get their question in in fear that they're not going to get their question heard. Being able to have access to these guest speakers in the business world is is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Because you can't you cannot allow the virus to keep you from some sort of interaction with practitioners who have been there and done that. They, they have got to have access to that knowledge base, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think in a strange way, COVID was actually a slight blessing in that department because it's pretty easy to get people to say, you know what, I can do an hour if I don't have to drive to campus, I don't have to be on campus, a park and, and get dressed and everything. I can just zoom in from my office. 
So I can be at work. I don't lose two more hours in a commute to meet with people. And so I really was able to get a broad assortment of guest speakers for the entertainment branding course, people in the profession, whether it's the manager for Brooks and Dunn, or whether it's, you know, the guy that handles all the marketing and PR for the Titans, uh, the guy that's in charge of all the marketing and PR for the Nashville Zoo. Uh, It was very convenient for them. And the students were just tickled pink because we were thrown into this chaos of, we're not going to have class on campus. You're going to have a very different experience. But yet, They got to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. They got to interact and ask wonderful questions of guest speakers. They were able to inquire about internships, uh, learn from basically real-time problems that were being faced with the Nashville Zoo. They had to close for a period of time. The Titans had to sort of foresee and plan how they would handle the NFL season with a virus and a pandemic. And so they got to really hear in real time what happens in business, which is you think you have a plan and then all heck breaks loose with some external factor like a pandemic, which none of us had ever experienced, but it can be a number of issues. You could have financial problems. You could see something happen in the market where your product becomes less in demand. So they were able to hear, you know, right away from practicing professionals, how are you coping? What strategies are you taking? How are you maintaining supply chains? It was really a lifesaver for us that we were able to go to uh, a remote access to working professionals. (laughs) I told my daughters, make sure everyone's quiet. So uh, I guess they didn't hear the keep the dog quiet. We'll take another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle East-centered MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Dr. Melody Phillips is our guest, an associate professor of marketing. We're talking about master's degrees in business administration and uh, an online presence that could be very beneficial as uh, COVID numbers continue to increase with the Delta variant. It seems, Melody, that every higher education commercial I hear on the radio at any rate plugs an MBA degree track that can be taken by working adults and can be obtained in a relatively short period of time. Are those courses not already employing a certain amount of online courses as a part of their degree tracks? If you drive to Nashville on any given day, you will see a number of billboards that are targeting the Nashville market 
from universities that are quite far away from Nashville. You will see Purdue's global online program. You will see the University of Alabama. Uh, you will see MTSU. You will see a number of programs promoting to our area because we have such growth and potential and new business coming into the area that obviously those are the, the people that you wanna target with an MBA and the people that you wanna target with an online MBA. So although the pandemic really forced uh, a lot of universities to make a, a quick turn to be COVID accessible, uh, a number of universities for a number, you know, a few years have really been dropping, not dropping, but I mean like dropping as an offering uh, programs that do give you the options, like with MTSU, we consider our program to be very flexible. So you have the option of on-ground courses, you have the option of an online degree, and you have the option to do a little bit of both. So you might, might have a topic like statistics that you're a little bit nervous about and you really would like to be in class all the time. So you have the option to do that, but then you might say there's another class that I can do remotely and be successful and it's gonna work a lot better for my schedule. So for us and the greater Nashville area, we offer that flexibility to potential students uh, within you know, a 60, 75 mile uh, radius. But then other universities have actually come into the marketplace and said, you know, we don't have the in-person delivery component, but we can deliver the entire program to you via online delivery. While that is appealing, if you're looking for, I don't ever have to be on campus, I have crazy work hours, I really need asynchronous delivery systems. But the beauty of the MTSU program is you can do just asynchronous online, you can be synchronous in person, or you can be a student in a remote learning course where you're synchronous yet at a distance. So we give people basically a whole menu of options, which really helps us stand out from the competition that has the big shiny billboard on I-24 and, and maybe a, a better football team that gets more uh, press like the University of Alabama. But we can give them uh, as good or better a degree with a lot of flexibility and, and how they complete it. Dr. Melody Phillips' article is published, or it was published April 2021, in the International Journal of Education and Social Science. Melody, thank you for being our guest today on MTSU On The Record. We'll be right back. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE Advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms, there's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Stephanie Barrett has the middle moment. 
MTSU Associate Chemistry Professor Kaying Ding recently won two highly competitive federal grants, securing $242,000 in funding for her chemistry research projects centered around sustainability. So for that National Science Foundation Award, I will study a type of reaction which is called boron hydrogen reactions. Through that study, uh, we want to develop a number of new metal catalysts to make carbon-carbon bound or carbon-nitrogen bound in a more sustainable way and facilitate the green chemistry applications. For that um, American Chemical Society Petroleum Research Fund Award, I'm going to develop a series of transition metal catalysts to selectively make amide molecules. And amide molecules are prevalent in pharmaceutical medicine. The current industrial method to make amide is not only toxic, but also generating a lot of waste. We're hoping to use our new catalyst to achieve the high atom efficiency and also reduce the cost and the waste. And we only use environmentally benign starting material. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.